What a beautiful reminder of a prayer in my life, Lord. Be glorified. Be glorified today. And I hope that's what our worship is about today, that we bring glory and honor to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Thank you for joining us for worship today. We welcome you. We had a nice 8.30 service this morning, and it's good to see a lot of people back at that service, and it's good to see you here today. If you're a guest, we welcome you, especially if you're a first-time guest. We have a gift for you out on the Welcome Center. Just go by and pick up one of those bags. It has a gift in it, has some other information in it. But we are glad you're here. We're glad of those of you who joined us by live stream. We welcome you, and we pray that everybody under the sound of our voices today feels the presence of the Lord. Why don't you take a minute to greet those around you, then we're going to join in singing Victory in Jesus. join as we sing together victory in Jesus.
and you continue as we continue in worship and our worship team leads us.
Good morning, church. My name is James Coleman. I'm the youth pastor here at Forks of Elkhorn Baptist Church. And welcome, welcome to our services this morning. Um, at this time, I, I want to share a verse with you out of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, Paul writes, he says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Elsewhere in the Bible, it tells us that where two or more are gathered, there he is in our midst. We are not alone, church. You agree with that? Amen. We are not alone and we will never be alone. Jesus said that we will, he will be with us always, even to the very end of the age. And that's a truth that we can hold strong to. So I want to invite you to come up and pray with us, inviting you to pray with, with this expectation to hear from the Lord, this expectation that as you go from this place this week, you will see his hand moving in your life, that you'll see prayers answered that you'll see hope restored, that where there is confusion, there will be reconciliation. So will you come and join me at the altar? Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning to thank you for who you are and all that you've done for us. To humble ourselves before you, God, and, and surrender these things, these burdens that weigh on our hearts. God, we ask that you forgive us our sins and help us, God, to, to give ourselves fully into you in this, in this joyful obedience. God, I pray for the families here that represent people who are sick, church members who are sick and dealing with illnesses, whether they be, they be small or they be great. Lord, we ask that you bring healing to their bodies as you are the author of their bodies. God, we ask that you will bring insight and wisdom to the doctors that work with them, that you will bring peace, Lord, that passes beyond any human understanding to the family and those who are who are watching from afar. God, we ask that you will protect our children, that any children who have kind of gone astray, that Lord, that they will come back to you, that they will see that you have this, this love for them that went up on a cross and died and put yourself in, our, in their place. And that God, our families would, would look like the prodigal son story where the father runs to meet his son who has come back and does not judge him, does not look down upon him, but instead embraces him and puts his ring on his finger. Help us to be that image to our children who have gone off. God, we pray that you bring protection and guidance over our kids, that as they grow up, they'll grow up knowing your ways as your word tells us that if we raise them up in, in the way of the Lord, they will not depart from it when they are old. Help us to do that, to be obedient in that call to teach and raise up the next generation. Protect our schools, protect our teachers, Lord. Be with our nation, Lord, and those who are serving. 
and help us, God, as individuals who struggle with things like anxiety and depression. We demand those evil spirits away in the name of Jesus. They have no place in the body of the believer. For you did not give us a spirit of fear, but you gave us a, a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Help us, God, to be of that, that unified mind of Christ, that we will lean wholly on your understanding instead of our own. And we give all praise, we give all honor and all glory into the holy name of Jesus Christ, your Son and our King. Amen. Would you all join me in welcoming Ashby Hart to read our scripture message this morning? Our scripture this morning is in Exodus. If y'all could turn your Bibles there to Exodus 14, we'll be starting in verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching towards them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the wilderness to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still.
Amen. Well, what a beautiful reminder of God's faithfulness to this church. And, you know, as I looked at that presentation, I saw so many of our wonderful folks who have gone on to be with the Lord who helped pave the way for this to be the special and spirit-filled church that it is today. And I give God the glory for that. Today is Big True Gladness Sunday. And when I say Big True Gladness, playing on uh, Psalm 122.1, when David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And I'm so grateful that we can be together in God's house. Are you glad that you are here in God's house today? I was grateful that we began our 8.30 service this morning. I was afraid of the impact it would have on this service. I believe the, the closest count we had was 241 people at the early service. So I'm grateful that they were able to come and, and that you all were able to find a seat pretty easily today, I hope. And what a great day it has been. This past Friday night, my son and I were blessed to have been given tickets to go to Big Blue Madness. And uh, that's what Big True Gladness, if you all didn't catch it, we were playing on that theme. <laughs> I knew that was going to be this weekend. And, uh, and so we were uh, honored to be able to go as a church member gave us tickets. And, and you know, as the rep arena began to fill up, I, I just noticed, and even the, uh, the MC uh, that was commentating I think from ESPN, well, there was a man and a woman. I mean, the crowd, they were excited, but not that excited, you know? They were a little flatter than what I remember being at one of the Big Blue Madness. And, you know, I was excited. We were excited to see some former players who were NBA players and some former players sitting over to the side and excited to meet the women's team and the women's coach and the men's team and, and Coach Cal shared some words, you know, but, but even with that, the crowd was, was still just not that excited. They were trying to prompt to get everybody excited. That's what I was trying to do at 8.30 this morning, and <laughs> so I'm trying to do it this service, try to get people excited, and I thought about it, but we didn't do it. I was going to have the gun to fire out T-shirts to people. <laughs> That's when people got most excited the other night is when they got free T-shirts, and I was able to catch one with my right hand and one with my left and give one to my son and one to my daughter. But, um, you know, it was an exciting time. And, and when I thought about the coaches were trying to give a brief word of motivation and encouragement to the fans about the upcoming season, they were trying to give hope for a successful, victorious new season. And and that's what I want to do for you all today. I want to give you hope and motivation for a new season in this church. Because we showed the video, I did not tell a joke at the early service. Word already got to some of you all, a mess from Sunday school, that I didn't tell a joke, and you're wondering what's wrong. So I don't want to disappoint. I'm going to give you a brief joke, okay? <laughs> the early service didn't hear one. And after I share this, you may wish that you hadn't heard one either, but one of our members sent me a text this week and said that he mistakenly used his wife's body wash when he woke up that morning. 
And he said all day long he was bossing people around and he couldn't make up his mind what he wanted for dinner that night. So, okay. I'll have to tell that next week at the 8.30 service, I guess. Today in our scripture, it's a very familiar story about God's faithfulness. And in this story, you might remember that the children of Israel, the people of Israel were in captivity in Egypt for over 400 years, 430 years. And as they were in captivity, the time came that God was going to deliver his people from bondage. And do you remember Moses was out tending his father-in-law's herd of sheep and God spoke to him in a burning bush and God told him that he wanted him to lead the people of Israel out of their captivity. Remember Moses made up excuses and he didn't feel like he could speak adequately and he couldn't do this and do that, but yet God made Moses his mouthpiece. So you remember the story. Moses went to Pharaoh and he said, let my people go. Let, let the Israelites go. And Pharaoh was not going to have any part of that until not one, not two, not five, not seven, ten plagues later, Pharaoh finally decided he would let the, the people of Israel go from their slavery and bondage. But right after he let them go, I mean, as soon as he said, okay, finally, we're letting, and all the Israelites loaded up, and they were heading out, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he changed his mind. I I really liked having them here serving us. I really enjoyed them. I'm going to go after, we're going to go after them. Took 600 of their best chariots, and then some. And they began to pursue the Israelite people. And really, that's where our scripture begins today. And I appreciate Ashby, you reading the scripture, and JT for doing a great job praying today. And, but at this point in scripture, we see that the Lord had instructed Moses for the children of Israel to turn back to go a longer route than had been planned. And because they turned back, Pharaoh and the Egyptians thought they were confused and didn't know what they were doing. They were setting ducks because what the Lord instructed them to do was to camp right there by the Red Sea with nowhere to go. The Egyptians and their massive army in hot pursuit, and here are the Israelites setting ducks right in front of the Red Sea. They were between a rock and a hard place. And maybe that's where you feel like you are today. You feel like you're being pursued by the enemy. You feel as though you're between a rock and a hard place. And you feel as the Israelites felt when they said, it would have been better to serve in Egypt than to die out here in the desert. And they felt like they'd been brought out just to die. And maybe that's what you feel like. God has forgotten about you and that you're in this very difficult place. If I turn back, we're going to be killed. If, I, if we go forward, we're going to drown. We're just stuck. We're stuck. And maybe that's where you feel today. I'm stuck in this very difficult place and I don't know what to do. And then in our scripture passage today, Moses, almost acting as a coach would, 
gave motivation to his team, an encouraging word of hope and moving to that new season, a place of victory in their lives. He said in verse 13 and following, he said, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. They had reason to be afraid because they were being pursued. They were in this very difficult spot. What were they going to do? Many of us have been afraid, haven't we, of different things. We've been afraid of COVID. Some still are afraid of COVID. I mean, I saw people at the 830 service I hadn't seen back since before COVID, and some have been scared to be in groups of people. We've been afraid of world wars. We watch on the news what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, and and we've been fearful about how it's going to affect us and how it is affecting us. And we've we've been fearful about terrorist attacks, and, and we've been fearful about high gas prices, and we've been fearful about uh, inflation, and it affects all ages. Last week, Kelly and I, my wife and I, were discussing what we were going to talk about at Coffee and Connections that we've been doing on Sunday evenings over in the lobby of the children's wing. And, and as Kelly and I were talking, there were little ears listening in the next room, and I said, well, what problem do you think we need to discuss? And Aunt Catherine, who was 10 at the time, she just turned 11 this week, but she said, inflation. <laughs> she yelled out from the other room, you know, and I'm like, yeah, we, we could talk about inflation. But we've been afraid of much more, haven't we? We really have. Um, I've told you, I always follow the Lord's lead, whether it's popular or whether it's going to be well received. And I hope you hear my heart that I speak in love. We must always speak the truth in love. That's our goal as Christians. I don't want to turn anybody off. I want to turn people on to Jesus Christ because he's our only hope. But we've also been afraid as Christians to speak out or to speak up against the moral decay and decline in our country today. We have been afraid if we speak out against such things as same-sex marriage or the LGBTQ agenda that we will be canceled or we'll be labeled or we will be fired or we'll be sued because we do not align with today's culture. And the Bible clearly says in Genesis 2.24, and man shall leave his father and his mother and will be united to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. That's the Bible's definition of marriage and what marriage should be. But yet so many times we are bringing our children up in a world where they're confused What used to be right is now viewed as wrong, and what's wrong today is viewed as being right. And we as Christians must do our part and not be afraid to stand up for what the Bible shares as the truth. And that's the truth. I'm scared about my my children's future and your children and your grandchildren's future 
of the kind of world that we're going to live in. It's got to be one of love. It has to be. But yes, we must not sway away from God's word and not be afraid for fear of how we will be labeled or viewed or, or what people will say or what people will think. Um, but then when I think about the words, do not be afraid, the first recorded usage of do not be afraid was in Genesis 15:1 when the word of the Lord came to Abram, who would become Abraham. And he said in verse 1, do not be afraid, Abram, I am your shield, your very great reward. That's when God was reassuring Abram and us that he will be our shield to be our very great reward. And then JT shared this passage in his prayer, 2 Timothy 1.7. Paul said to young Timothy, For God did not give us a spirit of fear or timidity, but a spirit of his power, of his love, and of self-discipline or a sound mind. And then we read those beautiful words that David shared in Psalm 56.3. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. We are to put our trust in the Lord when we are afraid. And then Jesus on the disciple with his boat, uh, on the boat with his disciples, when the storm came, that unexpected squall, and, and they were being rocked, and he was asleep, and they said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And Jesus stood up and said, Quiet, peace, be still. And the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And in verse 40 of Mark 4, he said, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Erwin Letzer, in his book that I was given recently, No Reason to Hide, he's a, an author and a former pastor of the Moody Church in Chicago, and, and he said uh, that, we might be canceled on earth, but we will be honored in heaven for our faithfulness. And I pray that we would be faithful to what God has called us as his children to do and, and how we are to live. Do not be afraid, even when the enemy looks opposing. But then secondly, not only are we to not be afraid, but he says to stand firm and you will see the deliverance that the Lord will bring to you today to stand firm. When I think about those words, stand firm, I can't help but think about young David when he faced that nine-foot Goliath, giant Goliath. You remember? In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 47, when, when little shepherd boy David stood uh, before the big giant Goliath, and, and he said, you know, uh, as for those standing here today, we'll see that it is not by sword nor spear that the Lord saves, but the battle belongs to the Lord, and he will give you over into our hands. He was calling out before the battle began that the Lord's going to bring the victory, and we know that God did bring the victory. I think about three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In Daniel chapter 3, verse 17, remember King Nebuchadnezzar had, had a 90-foot golden statue made. And when the instruments played, they were all to bow down and worship that golden image. And do you remember what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said in Daniel 3, 17? They said, even if we are thrown into the blazing furnace... 
we know that our God that we serve will deliver us, and he will deliver us from our majesty's hand. And then if you read on in verse 18, he said, but even if he does not deliver us, we still will not bow down and serve your gods or worship this golden image. That's the kind of faith we need today. We will not bow down and serve the culture in which we are living, that we must keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus. And that, that's what Dr. David Jeremiah, author, pastor, said. He said, fear comes when God's people take their eyes off the one who promises and begin to worry about the promise. Did you hear that? Fear comes when we take God's people, take our eyes off the one who promises and begin to worry about the promise. You better believe God is going to fulfill all his promises. And God is going to give us the strength to do what we need to do. So today we must not be afraid. As a matter of fact, Erwin Lutzer would go on to, to say in his book, No Reason to Hide, which I'm, I'm still reading. I appreciate the book. But he said it's time for Christians to stand up in a collapsing culture, is what he calls it, to stand up in a collapsing culture. As a matter of fact, that's what Paul was trying to say in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13, when he said, but finally that we are to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that we would be able to stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, Put on the full armor so that we may take our stand. Not if, but when the day of evil comes after we have done everything to stand, to stand firm. And that's what we are called to do, to stand firm. Letzer would go on to say there are three kinds of churches today. There's a complicit church. A complicit church is when we participate in culture and we do nothing to stand against it. Then there's the complacent church. The complacent church is where we may not agree with culture, but we are not actively standing to oppose it. And then there's the courageous church. The courageous church is when we talk about it and then we do something about it. And we must, as God's church, be a courageous church. You know, I have one of our, a couple of our members who send me texts and words of encouragement, and I love that they always end their texts by saying, stand firm. That's such an encouragement to me. Stand firm. And I encourage you to stand firm, church, and this society, this collapsing culture that we're living, to stand firm with our faith and our eyes fixed upon Jesus Christ. If we want hope for the new season, the new generation, we've got to stand firm. But then lastly, it says, the Lord will fight for you. 
You need only to be still. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. How hard is it for us to be still? We, we want to do it, don't we? We, we want to take care of it. We, we want to run and, 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 and do something. And when I, think, when I thought about this verse, I thought about what, what David, the psalmist, said in Psalm 46.10 when he said, And the Lord said, Be still and know that I am God. Guess what? He's God and we're not. He is God. He's, a, he's the ultimate one that can bring victory, isn't he? We cannot do it on our own strength. The battle belongs to the Lord. That's how David defeated Goliath. That's how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't have a single hair on their head singed when they were indeed thrown into the fiery furnace. God delivered them. He's still a God that delivers you and me today. And sometimes we need to be still. I shared at the early service, I didn't know my daughter Ann Catherine was going to be in here today, so as a result, I'm going to have to pay my daughter uh, for using her in the sermon. And Catherine, here's your dollar now, hon. <laughs> here's your dollar. But with inflation, I better give you two, right? <laughs> That's my last dollar right here. It's my last dollar. Aunt Catherine has been such a blessing to us, and through the years, Aunt Catherine has tried to find her niche. Um, she, she's played basketball. She's played soccer. Uh, she's played golf. She's played tennis. Right now, she's also playing the violin. She likes to act. She likes to sing. Uh, don't know where she gets all those things, but the fact is, the other day, Aunt Catherine came up to me and said, Dad, I want to try softball. <laughs> and I went, okay, softball, okay, well. So we got Kelly's oversized glove in the garage that she had from years ago, and I found my old glove I used to play church softball with. It's been taped with electrical tape, blue electrical tape that my dog had chewed it up years ago. So I got my old glove out. And we went out in the front yard and we started tossing softball. And as I was tossing Aunt Catherine the ball and some pop-ups and some ground balls, I noticed, and she had never played before, and I said, did you have some friends that are playing or something? Why do you want to play? So I just want to be, if I want to play softball, I said, well, I want to encourage you in whatever sport. So when I threw the ball, Aunt Catherine went... And I'm like, what are you doing? You got happy feet. You know, you're doing like. I said, just be still and let the ball come to you. Because she was just, you know, all over the place. Same way with the grounder. She would. And I said, hey, just relax. <laughs> you want to come up and demonstrate, Aunt Catherine? <laughs> well, Aunt Catherine was so. I said, honey, just relax. Be still. It'll be okay. Just be still. It's fine. Let, let it come to you. It's going to be okay. Maybe some of you are here today and you're in panic mode. I got to do something. I, I'm, I'm trapped. I'm, I'm pinned between this rock and this heart. I don't know what I'm going to do. I got, I got to do something. And maybe the message is today, just be still. I'm going to fight for you. You just need to be still. And I'm going to take care of you. 
Because if you were to read on a few verses, just the next verse or so, we know that the Lord says to Moses, why are you crying, crying out to me? Move on. <laughs> so after we be still, then we got to be ready when he says to move on. We move on. And we know that indeed Moses raised his hand and his staff stretched it out over the Red Sea. It parted. And the Israelites walked across on dry land. Pharaoh and his entire army drowned in the sea. And then the sea was closed up. And God made a way. Do you believe that we're serving the same God today that can make a way for you and for me? He still is in the miracle working business. He still can part the sea. That hopeless situation, that, that difficult place, when we feel defeated or hopeless, God is a God of provision and deliverance. And today that's a message somebody needs to hear, that he's going to make a way. The choir sang beautifully, we are more than conquerors. Victory in Jesus. There's a theme here. We have victory when we place our faith and trust in Jesus. Have you done that today? Have you placed your complete faith and trust in Jesus? Said, I tried to do it my way and I failed miserably, so I'm going to do it your way. It's always better than mine. Or maybe you're here and, and you're a Christian, but you've gotten off track. And Pharaoh thought the Israelites were in confusion because they were turning back. He thought, oh, we've got them now. We've got them trapped. That's exactly what the devil thinks. And as you also said, JT, we do not serve a God of chaos, but of order. And he brings us through the enemy's territory successfully. Or maybe you've been looking for a church. This is a wonderful church. When I look back at those old videos, one, I saw how young I looked, how much hair I had in some of them. But I saw people that were sold out to the Lord and his church who made this place what it is today. We need people who will step up and stand in the gap like some of them did to continue the legacy of faithfulness and love that, that God has brought us through the years. Are you willing to be one of those people to say, count me in? I'm ready. I'm ready to unite with this church family. And I'm ready to serve our living Lord. I pray that whatever your, whatever your decision, that in just a moment you will come and experience the amazing grace of God. His grace is sufficient and his power is made perfect in our weakness. May we pray together. Father, I pray right now in the stillness of this moment that if there is anyone here that's never accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, today might be the day of salvation for someone or many. It would be my privilege, God, to pray with them a prayer of salvation to begin the journey, not to end it, but to start it, to begin it. Father, maybe there are Christians who have gotten off track and they've been sucked into the culture in which we live and they felt all alone. God, I want them to know they're not alone. That there are others who will encourage and love them and support them as we stand up for what's right.
and we speak the truth in love. Father, I pray if there are folks looking for a church home, this is a field hospital for the sin, sick, and hurting. We're all fellow strugglers. I pray, God, that they might feel your warmth and love and want to be a part of this great legacy of faith and love that others have helped pave the way through the years, God, that they too might be an active part. God, thank you for your amazing grace, and I pray that today we would be moved, challenged to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand at this time if you're in this place. If you're watching, you can make your commitment from wherever you are. Contact us, and we will pray with you about your decision. But I'm going to invite you to come as we sing Amazing Grace.
uh, happy to introduce to you someone that probably you thought was already a member here. She's been coming for a good while. Melanie McIntosh, if you would come up beside me. Some of y'all know Melanie, and she's been faithful to come. And uh, this is Steve Jackson's daughter, and so grateful that she comes today to unite with this family of faith uh, coming from another church. We welcome you and know God has brought you here. And I, I want you to show your love and support and encouragement of her decision to unite with this family of faith by letting it be known by saying amen. Amen, Anna Falls. We welcome you. you. Bless you. And I'm going to invite Melanie to join me out in the foyer after the service so you can go by and welcome her, and we do welcome you. And I appreciate you all for being here today and allowing the Holy Spirit to be here. I want to say a special thank you to Mary and Lee Rainwater for the successful craft fair yesterday. Some of you all came uh, as close as we could get a number, maybe 1,200 shoppers came through, and it was a great day. And Appreciate all of your help in making it a success, all the volunteers, all the workers. We so appreciate it. It was a great day. And I hope you will join us tonight. We have some discipleship classes. Table groups are going to be starting. Uh, we have uh, coffee and connections with Kelly and me. Um, we will not talk about inflation tonight, but we invite you to come to be a part and then Wednesday, we have meal at 5, prayer meeting at 6, and we pray. And I believe that's why we're seeing such a great move of God today is because of the prayers of his people. And God honors and blesses those who are faithful to him. Whether we see it on this side or the other side, he does bless us. So thank you all for being who you are. Bill, I'm going to invite you at this time to come and lead us in and close out. Would you stand? And we're going to sing and make sure you come by and welcome Melanie after the service. We love you, and God loves you too. thank you that is our bond of love in Jesus that brings us all together from many different backgrounds, from many different places. We come together to worship the one true God. And Father, I pray today, uh, we just thank you for Melanie's decision to unite with this family. We pray that we would be challenged today, God, that we would not be afraid. We would stand firm and be still and let you win the battle for us. We'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.